0: All right. Uh, whoa, whoa, good morning. Um, so as, uh, as, uh, as the kids come in, uh, let me just give you a, a quick update. For, let me just ask first, until this morning, who knew that there was a problem at General Seminary? See, that's what I thought, and I can't wait to go back to school and tell my friends that outside of their world, nobody really knows that you exist. <laughs> Um, So for those of you uh, who who maybe haven't been uh, hanging around here a whole lot over uh, the last year or so, um, New Hope was invited by the uh, Episcopal Bishop of Maryland to join in a partnership of sorts with the Episcopal Diocese. Uh, wherein we would have uh, a role uh, in partnership with another Episcopal congregation. Um, And uh, the idea is that uh, I would be able to serve uh, in a pastoral role, both with respect to an Episcopal congregation and to New Hope. We'd get a chance to do ministry together. Uh, We would uh, be able to uh, share some space. Um, So in order for that to work, the way the Episcopalians uh, do things, I have to become an Episcopal priest, which means that I am spending half of the week this fall and spring up at one of their seminaries in New York learning the things I have to learn, like yachting etiquette, proper use of the fish fork as opposed to the salad fork, <laughs> um, and also things like their history and polity and liturgy and all that stuff. Um, and uh, evidently, I'm also learning how Episcopalians deal with massive crisis, uh, because um, Uh, basically a week ago, uh, most of the faculty went on strike and said uh, to the board, if you don't do all of these things, then we can't work here anymore. And the board said, well, we can't do all those things, so I guess you can't work here anymore. Um, And uh, so my hope, my sincere hope, is that some of this stuff can be walked back and that there can be reconciliation. um, And uh, I've seen a few things in the last several days that give me more hope than I already had that that can happen. Uh, the Bishop of Maryland, who, was, who preached here about a month ago, is on the board at General, and he's been uh, staying in touch with, with me and with another seminarian who's from Maryland, uh, a woman named Nancy Hennessy. She's from Mountain Frederick. Um, and uh, I, I think he's, he's concerned, but he's not alarmed. So as long as he's concerned, but not alarmed, I'm concerned, but not alarmed. Um, and uh, Uh, As it turns out, only one of the professors who is departed, whether temporarily or permanently, uh, is one that I had. So most of my classes are not uh, affected directly by this. But please pray. Um, Please continue to pray. I mean, this is always, I know, the prayer I ask you for whenever I'm involved with anybody outside New Hope. Please pray I don't do or say something stupid. Um, and, uh, And in fact, please pray that I can be some sort of help in... Moving along this process of reconciliation I've, I, uh, I I will say that, that that the last week has given me an opportunity to work very closely with many of my colleagues up there. We, uh, the students kind of put a letter together basically asking everybody to act like grown ups and get along um, and in the process, I got to make some uh, some some good uh, some good friends to find some other people who share my passion for grammatical peculiarities um, and uh, and I really, I, I'm deeply impressed by the quality, uh, not only the kind of intelligence of the people that I'm at school with, but, but by how deeply they love Jesus. And these are some people that I have very sharp differences with on matters of theology and ethics. And um, These are people who, who do this church thing very differently from how I would do it. But, uh, but it's been a privilege to, to get to know them. So, yes, this, this past month, uh, has taken a different turn from what I expected, and I'm learning different things than I expected to learn in this process. But uh, I trust that God is is in this somehow. Um, so yeah, there, this is there's been new stuff for me. I have made new friends. I've also uh, had new m- nightmares thanks to my time at General. You know that that uh, the dream where you show up at a class and there's this work that you didn't do that is now you're responsible for. Like there's an exam or yeah. Thank you. I'm glad I'm not the only. So now I'm having this nightmare in the context of a new school, which is delightful. <clears throat> so I'm having new friends, new anxiety dreams, and I've also got new earworms. Uh, Mary was, Mary and the girls were up uh, last weekend. They they got to experience some of this delightful news. Um, but uh, you know, in the uh, in the Episcopal Church and especially the more traditional settings, there's a lot of singing. And um, Kendall, Kendall Ludwig can send you the link to a comedian where he talks about how weird it is to go to church if you're not used to it because, you know, the priest is just standing up there and he's saying things and all of a sudden he starts singing, ah, you know. Um, that, well, that, that kind of happens here, too, um, at, uh, at general. Uh, they have, uh, as part of the service, they have these things called fraction anthems, and that's not something you sing standing up at the beginning of math class. Um, <laughs> A fraction anthem is what you sing when the priest breaks the bread. Uh, you know, here at New Hope, the way we do it is people come up and they grab a piece and we go back to our seats and then we all eat the bread and drink the wine together. There, the way it works is everybody comes up and they're handed a piece of bread by, by the priest. And the, um, so the fraction anthem basically is to give people something to do while the priest, you know, breaks the bread apart. Um... Uh, one of the reasons we do it the way we do it, frankly, is because it's a lot easier for James to take the leftovers home if people are only taking little bits out, because he really likes the communion bread. We always we always that's right. Well we always have three yeah. we always have three loaves because of the Trinity and also because one's not quite enough usually, um, and to make sure that, that James has lunch. Um Something to eat with his unsalted potato chips, uh, but the, so the, so people sing the fraction anthem together, and there's this this one that really has gotten stuck in my head. Uh, it, it's uh, the we sing the disciples knew the Lord Jesus in the breaking of the bread. Now, that wasn't supposed to be a joke. Actually, <coughs> that's what we sing. I know it's funny that I'm singing it. And then the cantor will go and sing something, and then everybody sings together. And usually by then, you know, he's managed to break up all the bread and put things where they need to go so everybody can come up and have communion. Um, but, uh, but this is one of several fraction anthems that we sing. Another one that's gotten stuck in my head, and I won't sing this one, <clears throat> mostly because of the response I got to the last one. No, no, no. <clears throat> nope. Though is, is though... Though we are many, we are one body, for we share in the one bread. Um, And uh, and I I gotta say, you know, the the there there is so much. uh, You know, this is a very different kind of service from what we're used to. We are low church, which means we don't tend to do a whole lot of singing, except at the beginning and then at the end. Uh, We don't have a lot of things that are set. We'll say we'll say prayers together out of the Book of Common Prayer, which is way more formal than most churches like us. We try to do kind of both. Uh, we try to take the best of, of both traditions here. Uh, there, it's a whole lot of the best of that one tradition. Uh, nobody's breaking out a guitar. I have yet to hear shine Jesus, shine anywhere, <laughs> which is one of the things I like about the place. <clears throat> but I have noticed, and I've really been impressed by it, by just how much the whole service is shot through with Scripture. And, um, and here's a place. The, the passage where we have a, for our text this morning is, is where they get this fraction anthem. We're in Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 3. Paul says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought to, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. And just as each of us has one body with many members— and these members don't all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We, we all have different gifts according to the grace given us. So if a person's gift is prophesying, then let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Now, this is not the only place in his letters that Paul riffs on this idea of God giving these spiritual gifts. uh, A more compressed uh, version of this is is in the letter to the Ephesians in chapter 4, where where Paul says uh, to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And he goes on to say that uh, it was he, Christ, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Probably the the most extensive uh, riff on this is in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul uh, is, is going on about spiritual gifts actually for, for quite some time, and, and it's very important to realize that uh, when you go to a wedding and you hear 1 Corinthians 13, the whole the love chapter, um, that comes after this whole chapter 12, which is all about spiritual gifts. In fact, I think what Paul's doing in the love chapter is he is saying, you people need to stop getting wrapped up in your sense of what your gift is and how much better it is than anybody else's, but you need to be loving and gracious to each other and stop being jerks. So in 1 Corinthians 12, setting up the please don't be jerks message, which, by the way, I mean, this is, you know, the the ravens did not come up with don't be jerks. It's right here in the Bible. Okay, so chapter 12, verse 4, Paul says in 1 Corinthians, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but it's the same Lord. Different kinds of working, the same God works all of them and all people. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. To one, there's given through the spirit the message of wisdom. To another, a word of knowledge to, un, by means of the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, healing by the same spirit. By, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of languages, to still another the interpretation of those languages. And all these are the work of one and the same spirit who gives them to each person just as he, the spirit, determines. And the body's a unit, right? Even though it's made up of many different parts or members, Though all of its parts are many, we form, they form one body. It's the same thing with Christ. We were all baptized by one spirit into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, we're all given the same one spirit to drink. And the body isn't made up of one part. It's made up of many. If the foot should say, which would be hard because the foot doesn't have a mouth, but just working with you know, all analogies break down at some point. So if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, Well, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it wouldn't for that reason cease to be part of the body. Look, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But In fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, each one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, You wouldn't have a body, but as it is, there are many parts but one body. And the eye can't say to the hand, well, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. No, on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And I'll let you go think about that for yourself. The parts we think are less honorable, we end up treating with special honor, and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But, see, God's combined the members of the body, and he's given greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, that its parts should have equal concern for one another. See, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. But if one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And the church, God's appointed First, apostles and prophets and teachers, workers of miracles. Also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of executive leadership, those speaking in different kinds of languages. Is everybody an apostle? Is everybody a a prophet? Everybody a teacher? I mean, seriously, if if everybody were a teacher, who'd be listening? (laughs) Keith, who teaches fifth grade... (laughs) find that amusing i mean does everybody work miracles Does everybody have gifts of healing Does everybody speak in different languages does everybody interpret no the problem paul says is you guys are all caught up with wanting these gifts that seem greater seem more honorable seem more exciting but if the pancreas is trying to be a hand then you're going to have a problem the pancreas is not being the pancreas then nobody is doing whatever the heck the pancreas does. And then you got too many hands. No, the, the whole point here, Paul is saying, is God has given these gifts to his people because he is trying to enable us all to function as one body. Now, lest you think that this is just Paul's thing, you look in, in 1 Peter, Peter says in chapter 4, he says each one should use whatever gift he's received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anybody speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. Anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Unless you think that this is just a New Testament thing, which it is not, which some people may tell you this is strictly a New Testament thing about the Spirit building up the church. I don't think it is because, well, it says otherwise in the Bible. Look in chapter 31 of Exodus. I know this is a well-thumbed portion of your Bibles, like mine. Right after they talk about the basin for washing and the anointing oil and the incense, Yahweh says to Moses, see, I have chosen... Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, ability, and knowledge in all kinds of crafts to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of craftsmanship. Moreover, I have appointed Aholiab, son of Ahis- Ahisamach of the tribe of Dan, to help him. Also, I've given skill to all the craftsmen to make everything I've commanded you. And, and again, this is this is a, a part of the Bible that you know only an architect or an interior designer or a liturgist could love. But God is talking about all of the different things that need to be made so that His tabernacle, where His people are going to worship Him in the desert, uh, where, where all these things so that all these things can be made. All the all the different elements that are going to be inside the, uh, inside the tabernacle, the lampstand and the table for the bread and the altar and the incense altar uh, and the ark, all the stuff that has to be made. God says, I have equipped the people who are supposed to make that with what they need to do it well. I have done that. How does he say? I have given them the Spirit of God. So what we see here is that the Holy Spirit is, in fact, active and being deployed in this passage in Torah among God's people to do the things that God wants them to do. So, what all of this tells us about these spiritual gifts is that these are things that God gives. God gives these spiritual gifts, and He gives them differently. He gives them uh, differently to different people. God is the one who gives these gifts to differently, to different people, different of his people, so that they can do the things that he is calling them to do. He is equipping them to do the things that he's calling them to do. The things that they need in order to do them are things that God is providing. And so oftentimes, one of the things that we have to do as God's people is to discern what those gifts are that he has given us. Because if we are called to be a pancreas, then we probably should not try to be functioning as an elbow. And so one of the things that we do as we seek to discern those is we pray, we listen patiently, we try to hear what God is saying, but we also try things out. I I mean, some of the edge kids have already i think been plugged in fruitfully in service some are, are serving andrew's serving at the at the, the uh, at the board, flipping the slides, putting the words up. Kara is somebody who 's been singing uh, there are people who are helping out with uh, with organizing I mean, executive leadership is something that some people seem to have in abundance in in planning out uh, different activities We've, we We have people who who are really good at, at being with the little babies. And God gives all of us different gifts to serve in different ways. And so uh, one of the things that we do as part of this body is we try to figure out where God's calling us to serve and to be faithful in doing that. And we do that by trying stuff out. and, And then, and this is where it can get a little awkward, but we need to try to make it not awkward, is we ask other people what they think. We ask people that we're in community with, people we trust. Hey, I'm trying to figure out where I ought to serve. Do you have an idea what that might be? And where this gets really hard is when we think we're called to serve in a way that we're not. Right? So at school, at general, there is something called the Guild of Precenters. And the Guild of Precenters is the people who will sing, So I mentioned in this, we sing the fraction anthem together, and then the cantor will sing a line, and then we sing in response. So the the guild of precenters is the people who will do that singing. Now, you don't volunteer to be in the guild of precenters. You get tapped on the shoulder. You get called to be in the guild of precenters by other people who are in the guild of precenters and know what it is needed to be in the guild of precenters, like the ability to carry a tune. I have not been tapped to be in the guild of precenters. I do not expect to be tapped to be in the Guild of Precenters, and that's good for everybody involved. But, yeah, sadly there are people who will think that they are being called to do something that they really are not all that good at. People trying to be a need. They should not be being a need. And, and it's awkward, frankly, especially when people cling to their understanding of what their spiritual gift is. That's why we need to hold these loosely. For for one thing, I think that there are elements of our culture that make that difficult. You may have taken a spiritual gifts inventory or a test that's supposed to tell you what your spiritual gift is. And people get this inventory by looking at all the passages and then they'll list out, okay, these are the 15 spiritual gifts. First of all, every time these gifts, as you saw, every time these gifts are mentioned, it's a different list, right? So... One thing that tells me is that either Paul and Peter didn't compare notes or that Paul was confused between when he was writing in Romans and in 1 Corinthians or, and I think this is much more likely, Paul's describing the same phenomenon just using different language to talk about it. I don't think we're supposed to, to set up rigid categories of which types of gifts there are and if yours seems to be a mix between knowledge and uh, discernment, then obviously you need to pick one. I don't think that's it at all. think God gives these gifts in whatever combination he chooses, and of course, it's not like you can you know, only be a hand or a wrist. All analogies, again, break down at some point. God's point is be what you're supposed to be, have the function you're supposed to have in the body, not something else. But we also can get Wrapped up in our understanding of the gifts, when we, as Paul says, eagerly desire the greater gifts, when we recognize certain gifts that we think are more honorable, that we we admire more, and so we want to have those. And sometimes we just don't. I mean, I I, ad, I admire the people who can sing. I don't, thanks be to God, think I ought to be one of them. It would be awkward if I did. I'd you know be kind of trying to hang around and sing loudly when people were nearby who make those decisions, it would, it would be bad. So the way we discern this sort of thing is by trying things, but asking our brothers and sisters, honestly, please tell me what is working and what is not. And this goes not only for understanding what it is, but for understanding how we are doing in what we're doing. i Thanks to, to Bill Holiday, we, we get together two or three times a year that we have a, a sermon evaluation team where we ruthlessly go through the teaching that's going on here on Sunday morning to see what's, what's working and what's not. What do we need to do better? What do we need to stop doing? What, uh, what are the guests that we brought in that we want to have back and what are the guests that we want to you know, delete the number from our phones? We have to hold all this stuff loosely because we're not God and we don't know, as God in fact knows, what it is that we ought to be doing. But the reason that this is important is not just because it gets awkward and it can be it can be uh, painful, frankly, if you have to tell somebody who's not ready to hear it that maybe their gift isn't singing and it's hard for that person. But more broadly, what does Paul say in Ephesians? He says, God has given us these gifts to build up the body of Christ, to bring us to maturity. If we're not expressing these gifts, if we're not serving in the way that God has equipped and enabled and called us to serve, then we're failing to do our part in building up the body of Christ. There are pieces of the building that are missing, if you want to use that analogy. In fact, you, you may have somebody that ought to be a little ornamental thing trying to act as a cornerstone, and this is not going to work. But we're not only doing this to build up the common, to build up the body of Christ. Spiritual gifts are not only given for the edification of the church. they are also given, as we read in 1 Corinthians. In verse seven, what does he say? God has given these ta sumferon for the common good. That Greek word refers to basically what would be benefited by a a generous or philanthropic person sponsoring some sort of a festival or a feast or or paying for a statue to be erected. What, What I think Paul is saying here is that these gifts enable the body of Christ to do God's work not only within the church but in the world that God's put us in and i think that places this whole idea in the broader context of what paul's doing in romans and this is what we're going to be talking a lot about this fall and spring is is in this last section of romans paul is talking about how all of the solid theology that he's been laying out in chapters 1 to 9 he's uh, 1 to, to 11 he's saying okay this is where this cashes out in our lives, in the life of the church, and in the lives that we live in the real world that God's put us in. God is calling his people to unity, but he's not just calling his people to unity so that they can have a really good Jesus experience. He's calling his people to unity because God's people are his agents of reconciliation, are his agents of of working out that reconciliation in the world that God's put us in. For us to be effective in that way, we have to be unified. But if all we're worried about is our own unity, and we're not worried about this world, and I shouldn't say worried about it, if we're not addressing ourselves to the work God's called us to in the world around us, then we're just closed in on ourselves and trying to have our, our little experience. Now, God's doing something much bigger than simply building up people. I mean, that would be enough, right? If that were all he were doing was saving out some people from this wicked world and building up a strong community uh, who can worship him faithfully and love each other, I mean, that, that would be pretty good, right? Yes, now, this isn't a trick question. I think I, I think that would I think that'd be terrific. But actually, God has more in mind for us than that. But for us to be used in that way, And that's for us individually and for us as a community. There are certain attitudes that we're going to need to cultivate. That's what we'll be talking about next week. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus Christ, we pray that we would be people who respond faithfully to the calls that you place on us. We pray that we would be people who, who seek intently to discern the ways that you have gifted us to build up your body and to bless the world around us. And we pray that we would not cling so tightly to what we think those gifts are, that we miss the gifts that you have, that we end up doing the things that somebody else has been gifted and directed to do. We pray that we would be people who live in relationships that are real and honest and open enough that we can genuinely hear from one another about those things. We pray that we would be faithful to live those out as you call and enable us. Pray that this would be to the edification of your church, that this would be the continued incursion of your kingdom into enemy territory, and ultimately to your glory. All this we ask in Christ's name. Amen.